This week, we're going to cover one of the fastest growing startups in recent times, which is Ramp. Uh, Ramp going from zero to two billion in valuation, uh, something like one and a half years or something like that. Um, and Eric Lyman being a pretty interesting founder himself. So we're going really far back before Ramp to start off with a little bit of Eric's profile. And as a nice little bonus, we also get the origin of 20 Minute VC as a podcast. So this is Harry Stebbings in 2015, seven years ago, starting off his own podcast. Now, can you kick us off by giving us a little background on yourself and an insight into your career before Paribus and what your aha moment was for the idea? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's a bit about me. I was born and raised in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Grew up there for 18 years. And I guess there's three stages to what actually drove the aha moment. Um, the first, uh, my first job, I was 18 years old. I worked at a store called Express, and I was selling jeans and shirts and all that kind of stuff. And what stuck with me over the years was every every weekend there'd be these super sales for 20% off. Families would come in, spend thousands of dollars, and what was weird was every Monday uh, things would be 40% off, and it was rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. You would you would push people through at these deals. They thought they were getting a good deal, but it turned out they weren't. Um, and it was strange the way that, um, on a lack of knowledge, um, a lot of retail was driven. Um, later on, um, so I went, uh, graduated from Harvard, spent a lot of time abroad, lived in China for a year, all this kind of stuff, and worked in an industry called restructuring. Um, in a nutshell, you were dealing with these companies that were about to go bankrupt um, or were in it. Um, companies like U, uh, AIG, uh, U.S. Airways, and American Airline merger. Now the firm I, I work for is advising Greece, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, and my job was to go through the finances and the legal contracts that dictated what happened when things went wrong. In a nutshell, I, I read a ton of con- uh, contracts. Uh, I saw the meanest people in the world, the hedge funds, going going to bat to try to read these contracts and take advantage of each other and just try to uh, gain an appreciation for um, look, in, uh, in the world, there are these contracts that dictate what rights you have. Um, it is up to people to enforce it. And often if you do things, you're entitled to things and things should go a certain way. If only you read it and were able to enforce it. The aha moment for me came, um, about two years ago when I made a purchase myself. I finally was a consumer and the next day it dropped in price by a hundred dollars. I was curious. Um, Hazel and then that happens. That's it. It happens. It happens all the time. And then all of a sudden, I, I realized there, um, like, like, wait a second. Like, one, uh, these sales cycles are happening all the time. Two, um, I was mad. Is there something I could do? And I started digging around through all these policies, and I realized there was a policy. I was protected. And then spent another couple hours on the phone. I could get it back. And just some, a little bit of work, I was able to recover. And I was like, look, if this is my job, I do this all day for other people, um, and I didn't know about it. Um, what's everyone else doing and can we automate it? And so I just, that was from that one moment, the pieces of knowing that sales are happening all the time. If only you knew and had some way to alert it and, and get the, recover that money, you could do quite a bit. Um, and so that formed, uh, the first moment to start working on Paribus. And in the very early days, you did do things differently from the typical startup. So how did you act differently and what exactly did you do? Yeah. So from that moment, um, I went, spoke with my co-founder that day and we were like, look, we could have a simple system where one, was it possible where we could just see a purchase happen and then track the price over time? We're like, that seems like we could do that. Uh, next, was it possible to track the price and then send a simple claim, um, automate that element? We're like, maybe we can do that. And so we started spending quite a bit of time to, to test all these different hypotheses. Um, we knew the experience we wanted to create, but we wanted to figure out what's the most simple 
um, scalable way um, to to actually offer in this service. It was a long period of discovery um, and really mapping it out. We realized to get this transaction information, um, the most efficient way wasn't scanning a receipt. That was too much work. It wasn't um, a credit card statement. There wasn't enough information in there. We could do this in a big way just by email. Um, and then we wanted to figure out, well, does it work at this store? Does it work at that store? Trying to really test these hypotheses over time, it, spent, it took a lot of time and we spent about a year in that stage um, but it allowed us, when we were ready to build a serious infrastructure, to create a more elegant experience, to really know the landscape, build it the right way the first time, the right kind of architecture um, that would enable um, faster growth when we were truly ready for it. And do you think it was effective doing it over a much longer period of time, so for you a year, than, than most startups diving headfirst into it and trying to conquer it in a few weeks or even months? I think for us, I was uh, I was happy with it. There definitely came a time where we had to switch. Um, we had tested enough hypotheses to really prove it. We knew and we could do it and dive on in. Um, and you have to switch. And I would say, like, really pay attention to when that moment comes. Um, but it was effective. And I, I think that for anyone who's considering, um, I've got this idea, I want to start, um, or should I make that leap? Test the right kind of questions and be really diligent about it. I, I, we spent a year, but during that year, every single week we had a goal, we stuck to it, um, we figured it out, and we kept on doing that. So don't let um, – if you're going to spend a year, make sure that it's filled with uh, experiments that you need to run, getting things right, and do it. Um, that way it can be effective. So don't go slowly, but test things. And how do you think founders can know when it's the right time to take the jump? Is there any tells that maybe they can't carry on with their day job with the current growth that they're experiencing? Or what would you suggest? Yeah, it's when, uh, for us, it was when we realized, all right, we've done it with enough stores. Um, we can automate this. We're able to automatically send something for myself, for my friend, for my mom. She's excited about it. Um, and we realized, like, whoa, wait a second, like, um, it's ready to scale. This is a simple, we've, we've hit that, I, I guess in the, in the general way, it's the minimum viable product. You've got it. Um, that I feel like is the moment, um, when you can take something, start to scale and build. And when you know you have that, it's a good basis and you're ready to go. Then it's time to really invest the time to take it and grow it. Um, but really search for that. And you mentioned about your testing hypotheses there. So mm -hmm. what were the testing hypotheses like, for example? Yeah, I mean, for us, we wanted to figure out is... Uh, it, it, so, so to start out with, it's an incredibly murky world that we're dealing that um, Paribus operates in where some of these stores have very clear policies, but they don't want you to know about them. Um, or they know about it, but they don't make the process actually clear. And so we, had to, we wanted to figure out if we wanted to get uh, you, Harry, $20 back, what did we need to actually be able to have? Did we need to know every price in the world? Um, no, we just needed to know what you bought. Okay, um, so we don't need to know that. Um, one, do we need to check and compare against everything? It's like, actually, we don't. We just need to check and compare it against where you bought it from. Um, and then when uh, we actually know what you bought, we see the price drop, we would ask, all right, well, um, how do we efficiently get it back? How much information do I need to list um, at minimum to get that money back? And can I do it over phone? Can I do it over email? Um, do I have to take it back into the store? To really ask those questions, to figure out at a most basic level, if it just is two of us, um, 
the world doesn't know, doesn't care, and we have very little resources, how can we get the most leverage um, and really just collect to make it simple as possible? For us, what that led to once we figured out, okay, we just need to know to collect a receipt. From that, we only need a few items. From that, it needs to go only to a few places. We were able to take those, what we knew, um, the map of the world as we knew it, and condense it down to a simple product where we realized um, if we could just get you to click one button, uh, link it to email, we could pull everything that we needed to take care of the rest. Um, and so once those pieces and hypotheses were tested, we could make the right system that was so easy for a consumer or someone to sign up, it took under 10 seconds. And talking of testing that, in the initial days, how did you go about your testing process? Did you try and get it to as many people as possible and get as much feedback as possible? Or did you do quite targeted niche testing with, say, 100 people? Yeah, niche, niche for sure. Um, at the very beginning, because we knew if if I could if I could get you uh, money out of nowhere, that that's pretty attractive. The the harder thing was, um, could we make it work? And so it was a ton of dog fooding. Um, I would just go and uh, figure out. Uh, what did I need? Or what was my friend asking to buy? And I said, uh, could I buy it for you? Or could you, could, could I use this like on my account? Right. And we would go and we'd buy it from all these different stores from 20 stores. Um, we would test against, um, you know, stores policy, a credit card policy. Um, a lot of it is if I could do this for myself and I like it, and if I could do it for a couple other people, um, that was a big part of the testing. And then later on, once we would, um, starting to get the communications that came with it, I would do it on my friend and they'd say, all right, is this weird? Is this not? Then you would try it on Reddit. Kind of simple forums where almost overnight um, you could in real time test these hypotheses. So my, my, my thinking there is um, mass or niche, the bigger piece is how quickly can you do it. If you can do it fast, go for that. Absolutely. So it's all about timing. Yep. Okay. And I'd love to talk a little bit about YC now. It is YC Feature Week. So awesome. how was you first see your admissions process for, for YC and how was the interview? It's often quite a daunting thing we hear, but how was yours? Yeah, that's no, great. I, I think that what a lot of people don't know about applying to YC is most people do not get in on the first time. Um, we didn't. Um, the first time we applied, we had uh, 10 people. So we, we tried it right away. That was great. Uh, I mean, it was a good process applying. Um, didn't even get an interview. Um, the next time, um, things changed. What we, we had, um, you know, a hundred times more people using it. We had, um, real traction. Our answers were much shorter, um, rather than having essays and all the things and possibilities we could do is very simple. It's like, we do this, this is how it works. Um, so try to keep it short, direct, because often when you're condensing in your application, it shows clarity of thought um, and understanding what you're already doing. So I would definitely emphasize on that. Uh, the actual interview itself, um, when you get there and you're in front of it, it is so rapid fire and intense. Um, my, my co-founder, after the end of his interview, took a took, it was so tense afterwards and so fired up, he took a cup and he just crushed it in his hand after he walked out of the room. Um, and it's, it's like that. It's a 10-minute, incredibly rapid-fire question. I think we must have gone through 50 to 100 in under 10 minutes where they ask you something, you respond in five seconds, ask you something, you respond in five seconds, and they nail every piece of the business. So be quick, snappy, um, know your business, but go for it. And uh, it's awesome. And uh, who, who, who interviewed you at YC? Which of the partners? Yeah, so it was uh, Jeff Ralston, Justin Kahn, and Jessica Livingston. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then... Why did you choose YC? It's obviously, you know, one of the world's most prestigious accelerators and probably the most successful. Why did you choose them and, and why do you think they chose you? 
Yeah, the biggest thing for why we chose them is you could just feel the energy. It was real, it was raw, and ultimately it was incredibly focused. And I, I think that's the specialty of YC as I know it is they know that only one, really it's just a couple of important things. If you can get it right in the early days, it will give you the maximum leverage. And that interview, in my mind, was the biggest convincing point. Um, I could just feel it. They knew the right questions to ask. They forced you to be serious and thoughtful about how you were going to grow, to test it, to iterate on it. Um, and from what I had heard from others who had gone through it, it was clear that those three months were going to be a bender, um, but very much focused on the right kind of things. So um, for that, we, cho- we chose YC. I think for us, the big reason why I believe they liked it is one, we kept at it. Um, it was the second time coming through, um, stuck to the vision, iterated on it, and didn't stop. Um, we continued to work and make progress whether or not they were involved. And I think that anywhere as a business, um, you need to have that grit and determination. The second piece um, is that we had something that was working. It was clear it could scale. Um, and we could tell the, not only could tell the story of why, but could just create a really magical experience out of something small. Um, and they could see, I think Jeff Ralston likes it, um, had a great piece talking about it, but the magic thread where you could start out with one very simple type of transaction, put in an email, get money back whenever prices drop that simple, but you could see it evolving and we could articulate that over time. And that, um, from going to a simple thread to weaving a larger story and picture in business is really, I think, a lot of what YC looks for. And when you look back now at the Parabus journey so far, Mm -hmm. what were the breakthrough moments for you? What were the real highlights? And then what were the biggest challenges or even lowlights for you? And how did you overcome them? Oh, yeah. I, so... That's a really good question. So there's, it's always like a roller coaster. I, I think in all this, where there are weeks that are phenomenal, you're on top of this world. The next week, um, down in the dumps and terrible. And I, I would say for us, one that is very memorable came in about two months ago of this year, where we had had a huge month in May, um, grown, you know, added ten thousand um, plus people, grew a thousand percent in a month, and then all of a sudden we were going very slowly again. We didn't know how to fix the business, um, how to actually grow, and didn't have a realization on a day to day what actually drove the business, and it was driving us nuts. Um, we're working twenty hours a day um, with very little to show for it, um, and then we sat down and really trying to figure out why are, why are we growing, and we realized that um, for us a few things about our business that are weird. Um, Pyrabus operates in your email inbox. It requires a lot of trust. Um, and people have to feel comfortable that um, it's going to work, that um, when it goes in your inbox, it's not doing anything strange, um, that it actually can get you money about it because people just don't know you can get this money back. Um, and we found that we grew the most when it was either they were people were hearing about us from a publication or from a friend. And so we optimized for two things during that really tough time. One, um, can we get reviews or thoughts or people to, to write about us? But the bigger one was, can we get you to tell your friend about it? Um, we had a referral program um, before. Around 15% of people would share a pair of us after they signed up for it good, not amazing. Um, and it was confusing. You could, there was two referral programs. You could choose one and it was economically great. Refer a friend, you get $5. We pay you money. Um, but it wasn't immediate. It wasn't obvious. And ultimately people were kind of, um, 
making money off of their friend. But we made a switch um, to do a couple of things. One, we wanted to make it immediate where if you took one action, you could immediately get a better deal um, what people were solving for. So we made it, if you share it with a friend, um, you're going to get 5% off for the rest of the year. Um, economically, I'm not as sure if it's good. Um, it depends on the old referral program, but it was instant and you can control it. The second piece is part of the conversation. We listened a lot to how our customers were talking about it. And often what they'd say, um, the conversation would play out like this, um, is I just heard about this new service. I, I wish I thought of it. Um, it, it tracks the prices of what you bought and when they fall, it gets you money back. You make money back. Uh, they charge, they keep 25% of it. It's a little steep, but it's a good deal. You should definitely do it. Um, and that was fine. But what we realized is the pressure point and people's hesitation was around the pricing. Sometimes they wanted to use it, but weren't sure if 25% was too much. And so we're like, all right, um, let's tweak it slightly. And the conversation became just heard about this great service. It's amazing. Um, I wish I thought of it. It saves you money when prices drop. Um, they, uh, and you got to sign up for it right now because if you sign up, I cut my fee by 5% and you'll cut your fee by 5% too. And that two-sided element that could combat people's biggest hesitation and get them saying yes and wanting to share it transformed it. And now over 50% of people share it. And that took our growth from 5% a week to 20 plus for weeks and weeks and weeks on end. Um, and so I think that really paying attention to why are people coming in, why are people sharing it, what are the biggest problems, and how can you adjust your model to that to really find that distribution um, was a big, big, big breakthrough moment for us. So I think what I like about Ramp and Eric's approach is he is one of the categories I call found money startups, which is essentially use us. There's no reason not to use us because you don't lose money and you can only make money if you sign up with us and you let us track you. Um, so obviously there's a little bit of privacy concern, but most people are willing to overlook the privacy concern in exchange for free money, which is essentially what Paribus and then Ramp uh, offered. <laughs> 